0: Father and God, we bless Your name as we go into Your word this morning. Send forth Your word, Lord. Build up Your body. Let Your name be glorified. Thank You, Holy Father. Teach us, Oh Great Teacher, again this morning. Make us wiser. Make us smarter than ever. Thank You, Father. In Jesus name I pray Put your hands together for Jesus Hallelujah Hallelujah Amen and Amen You may be seated Today we are talking about we are going to be talking about signs of an unhealthy Christian life. This should be psalm number 5. Is it? 5? Psalm number 5. We have said lovelessness is a major sign of a Christian life that is not healthy. Number two we said uh, Poor prayer life When you don't pray You are going to be powerless It is often said that A prayerless Christian Is a powerless Christian Christ dwells within you Because you are a new creation The day you were born again Christ started to dwell inside you. He began to dwell within you. He took permanent residence in your heart. And never to leave you. Unless if you leave him. I pray you will not leave him in Jesus name. As far as God is concerned. Is committed to his word that I will never leave you nor forsake you. But if you forsake God, there's nothing he can do about it. Are you understanding? Now, some people forsake God. Or instead of walking the way of life, they go back to their iniquities, go back to their sins, go back to commit uh, adultery, fornication, stealing, and all kinds of things. <laughs> God has committed Himself, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But if you leave Him and you forsake Him, there is nothing He can do. And I pray for you, you will not forsake God in Jesus' name. Mark 1.35. We have moved on to poor exercise in the word of God. But I want to revert to one thing I was—I remember I didn't talk about when I was talking about the sign of poor prayer life. What are we talking about? What is our subject? Signs of an unhealthy Christian life. Number one, we said lovelessness, not having the love of God. Number two, we said poor prayer life. We are already on number three, poor exercise in the word of God. But I want to revert to poor prayer life. I want to say something about Mark one thirty-five. Prayer is the key we often sing. Prayer is the master key. We often sing that Jesus started with prayers. And ended with prayers. We often sing it. And we should act on it. Not only sing it. Frequently believers sing it. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the master key. Jesus started with prayers. And ended with prayers. Prayer is the master key Beloved, prayer is a master key indeed It opens every door It shuts also every door Any door you don't want open, it can shut it And any door you want open, it can open it Prayers can bring healing, can bring deliverance Prayer brings the power of God down into a man's or a woman's life who knows how to pray. Prayer is very, very important in the life of a believer. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. Though prayerlessness is not the only thing that causes powerlessness in the spirit. There are many things. Sin will make you absolutely powerless in the realm of the spirit. You choose not to walk in obedience to God. You choose to live the way you want. Even if you pray, you fast, the power of God will not flow in your life. But even when you are obedient now, what do I mean by obedient? When you obey conspicuous instructions, like don't commit adultery, don't steal don't shed anyone's blood don't be a shed of blood don't hate your neighbor don't gossip about your neighbor don't be covetous don't be bitter, don't hate anyone don't be stubborn against God or against constituted authority I mean, constituted by God. Uh, sometimes, earthly authorities go against God. So when they do so, if you obey them, you disobey God. Are you understanding? For example, when Pharaoh gave an instruction to the midwives that they should be killing every male child of the children of Israel, while they were still in the land of Egypt in slavery he told them every male child kill him if it's female leave him alive they were scared of the children of Israel they said they were getting too many and uh, the concern of Pharaoh was if there is a war they might join the enemies and kill them and uh, go away from their land So Pharaoh said, they are getting too many. Every male child born, kill them. Then the midwives did not carry out that instruction. They refused. The Bible says, God bless them for disobeying. When you disobey a devilish instruction, are you understanding? You are on the side of God. But when government or legally or divinely constituted authority does not give satanic instruction, we are supposed to obey. Amen. So, why we talk about an obedient Christian obeying conspicuous laws? I don't commit uh, adultery, I don't steal, I don't do this, I don't do that. But when you get to the place of prayer, it may not be praying. Are you getting what I'm saying? It may not be an adulterer. It may not be a thief. It may not be covetous of his neighbor's house. It may not hate anyone. But when you talk of prayer, it may not be there at all. It may be very lazy in prayer. And when we say a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian, we are talking about that kind of Christian who does many other things, right? But when it comes to prayer, he does not pray. He will still be powerless. Though he will expect that I don't commit adultery, I don't steal, I pay my tithes, I give offering to God, I support evangelism, by money, by physical presence. He might feel well, without God, the power of God should be in his life. But when he gets to the place of prayer, he does not pray. The power will not flow. Not that there will be no power there at all. But will not flow the way it is supposed to flow. He will be a powerless Christian. So it is not enough to do every other thing, right? I pay my tithes. I give to God. Are you paying attention there? I give to God. I do this. I do that. I go out for evangelism. I give money to support evangelism. But however, ask him, how long is your prayer time in the morning? He might say 15 minutes. How can you survive on 15 minutes prayer per day? It's like trying to survive On taking a spoon of rice per day Can anybody survive on that? A spoon of rice per day That will not be your portion in Jesus name You will eat in plenty This year the Lord will bless you You will eat in plenty And drink in plenty And bless the name of the Lord your God In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you see a Christian. I ask some people sometimes. say, How long is your prayer time in the morning? Some say 15 minutes. Some say 20 minutes. Some say 30 minutes. Some to cover up. They say I don't time it. (laughs) Abby, How can I tell you how long. When I don't time it. They are just trying to cover up. I say I don't time it Then I will tell them Begin to time it I want to know I will ask you again Hallelujah You can't survive With a Christian life uh, In your Christian life And your secular life You can't survive By 15 minutes prayer per day 30 minutes prayer per day It's small I have advised you consistently, don't pray less than two hours per day. It may not be at a stretch. Maybe one hour in the morning, 30 minutes in the afternoon, 30 minutes in the night. I told you of Smith Wigglesworth, who, according to the story of his life, never prayed more than 30 minutes at a stretch but always return to prayer after every other 30 minutes. He lived in prayer, literally. Isn't it? I mean, by the time he had spent 12 hours in the day, he would have prayed for what? About 6 hours. He literally lived in prayers. Now, everybody can do that. He was a strong man of God, very powerful man of God. He's gone home long ago now. But, but then... Don't let your prayer time be less than two hours per day. It's important. You need it. Prayer is what will make you strong. And give you victory over the devil. Over the devil's temptations of sin. And over every satanic weapon. Over every attack of the forces of darkness. Christianity in Africa, uh, where Christianity needs prayer everywhere in the world. For environments that are more demonic, you need more prayers. In the epistle of John to the seven churches in Asia, there was a particular pastor that Christ sent a letter to through John, and Jesus said, I know where you are, where Satan's seat is. Do you remember? A team of men from uh, Kenner Hagen's ministry, long ago, they came to Africa. It's been long ago now. Long ago, it should be up to 20 years ago. They went to some places, I think East Africa, and uh, they wrote report in their magazine. I read it. And they they wrote uh, in America we talk of uh, binding the devil, casting out devils. And the Mao wrote the article said, when we went to Africa, we saw the devil face to face. <laughs> 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 because they met voodoo people. You know this voodoo. Uh, in, in Nigeria, what you call juju and uh, enchantments. In East Africa, a very popular version of it is voodoo. Are you following? A very popular version of it in East Africa is called voodoo. How many of you have read about it or had anything about it? Nobody has heard about voodoo in East Africa. Okay. So uh, the man said, "In America we talk of binding the devil, casting out the devil." He said, "When we went to Africa, we saw the devil face to face." <laughs> because they came in contact with voodoo people. Hallelujah. 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 That was not a it was a man of God by the name of John Gillick also traveled from America long ago traveled down across Africa got to South Africa there was a man of God at South Africa who was there at the time of a bubonic plague a plague that was spreading fast by torch and was killing thousands of people and they had to send a team of medical people from America to South Africa. In those days. And they met John G. Lake there. I have told you the story before. The testimony. And they saw him living among the people. And they said, how are you coping? You are not attacked by this disease. And he gave them an answer from scripture. He said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. That was all. They said, how? What are you saying? Then he told them, when anybody was killed by that bubonic plague, at death there will be a foam in the person's mouth. The foam will contain a lot of viruses of that disease that killed him. So he told them, take the foam. Put it under the microscope. You know what they call microscopes? An instrument that will make something big. Because those viruses, you can't see them with naked eyes. So they put them under the microscope. He said, look at it. He said, yes, they are alive. They are moving. He said, he stretched out his hand. He said, put it on my hand. He put them on his hand. And he said, take them from my hand, put them under the microscope. The viruses were dead. (laughs) They were dead. There is a lot of power in the word of God. If you know how to activate it. You know how to activate it. This same John Jilek met voodoo people in Africa. I think those were his early days, his earlier contacts with them. He didn't believe. And then he said one of the chiefs was saying he will kill somebody far away by voodoo. John Jilek said, What time do you want to kill him? And he asked, so he rode his horse there. You no, know, those days were horses. So he rode his horse there. I think the two chiefs were fighting. And at that time, he was with that other one. Suddenly, the man fell sick at that time. Because the other one had said, he will kill him by voodoo. And he started to watch. Sir, is this the voodoo walking? Is he going to kill this man? And he said, the thing was killing the man. Then he said, no, I can't watch again. He laid hands on the man. He said, come on devil, take off your hand." And the man resuscitated. That's the power of God. Shout hallelujah. It broke the power. Though that one said it would kill him. But though he would have killed him. If the power of the Holy Ghost had not come on the scene. It broke the power of the voodoo. And stopped death from killing that man. Amen. And that's what you can do. You can do that. Because Christ is in you. Amen. But it's not going to work unless you are prayerful. Are you understanding? A prayerless person cannot have that flow in his life. Mark one thirty-five. I said I read it. I've not read it. Let's go there quickly. Let me move on. While I was talking to you about prayer I wanted to mention this but Somehow it slipped off my mind Mark chapter 1 Verse 35 Mark chapter 1 verse 35 I read from the King James Version. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. That's talking about Jesus Christ. And in the morning. I asked you last Sunday, when does morning begin? You all said 12 midnight, isn't it? Or 12 a.m. if you like. Yes, because you check your phone. At that time, it's going to write a.m., isn't it? Morning has started. And in the morning. That means sometime between 12 midnight or 12 a.m. and... Uh, 6 a.m. Because it says, A great while before day. Day begins when the sun is out in the sky. As long as the sun is not out, it's night. Isn't it? And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there pray that was jesus that was his habit he will rise a great while before day so as to have enough time to pray you know in the morning the kind of crusades jesus did well we we call it we we call it crusade We call it crusade but then uh commonly well crusade is not a Bible word. The word would mean is uh open air preaching of the word of God. The open air preaching of the word of God that Jesus did He did them in the daytime. In our time we hold our crusades I've told you in quote now Commonly crusade When we say crusade we're talking about open air preaching But if you go to the dictionary There are other meanings for crusade We're not talking about those We usually do our preaching in the night Isn't it? Jesus did his in the day because there was even no light to so do it in the night. They didn't have the kind of light we have now, no electricity. How do you want to do a crusade in the a teaching in the night with uh, what kind of light are you going to do use? So his business was in the day. He would preach for a long time. Sometimes people would camp with him for three days. But in the night, I believe they would sleep. The morning they will resume again. And Jesus, so he will rise early in the morning to go and pray so that he could go to preaching business when it's daytime. You are not going to preaching business every day because you are not a preacher, you are going to your place of work. But you also need to rise early so that you can have enough time to pray. Amen. If Jesus rose early, then who are we not to rise early? If Jesus rose early, a great while before day, so that he could have enough time to pray. You know, once it's about 6 a.m., people begin to walk up and down, gradually, few people. By the time it's 7, there are more, isn't it? By the time it's 8, you can hardly have any privacy. Your friends begin to come around, people around you, even your family, your wife, your children. But if you wake up a great while before day, you're going to have enough time to pray. Amen. Yes. So let's begin to do that. Because prayer is a must. For every Christian who wants to have power over satanic power, who want to have What? And God has given it to you as a child of God. It's yours. But it's not going to flow while you are prayerless. He said, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by enemies hurt you. You remember what he said in Mark 16. Mark sixteen, verse fifteen, verses fifteen, and uh, all right. I want to read the one in Mark, not the one in Luke. We'll go to Luke also, but let's read Mark first. Mark 16. Let's go to verse 17 straight away. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. Verse 18. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That will not happen if you are prayerless. Though it is given to you, is your birthright, it is your blessing from the Lord. But if you remain a prayerless believer the power to make these things happen will not flow in your life. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Someone may lay hands on you may speak in tongues. But the power to cast out devils to subdue satanic power they shall take up serpents. is talking about subduing satanic power. The power to lay hands on the sick for them to recover. All those who will not flow. They may happen occasionally, but it won't really flow the way it should. If you don't give yourself to prayer. Likewise, Luke. Luke chapter 10. Verse 17, 18 and 19 And the 70 returned again with joy saying Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name And he said unto them I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven Satan will fall before you in Jesus name I say Satan will fall before you in Jesus' name. I decree so upon your life in Jesus' name. Satan fell before them because Christ was with them. But you, Christ is not only with you. He is in you. Christ was not in them. Because the facility, the spiritual facility for being born again had not been put in place. It was put in place by the death and resurrection of Christ. Amen. At that time they were not born again. So Christ was not in them. But Christ was with them. But you now, Christ is in you. And with you. So if Satan fell before them, Satan should fall, should somersault before you. <laughs> Are you hearing me? The Bible says, Satan fell before them, before us today, he should be somersaulted. Not only falling. <laughs> ah, because Christ was not in them, he was only with them. But today, Christ is in us. And with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are not supposed to get any less uh, lesser result. We are to get more results. You see, but these things will not work as long as you are prayerless. As long as you are prayerless. You don't care about the things of God. You commit sin. You... Break the laws of God, commit adultery, commit fornication, lie against your neighbor, be a false witness, and do all kinds of ugly things. Shed blood, hate your neighbor. Bible says, "Person who hates his neighbor is a murderer." Verse 18, they sh- uh, Okay, verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. Amen. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Sefini. Period. It's done. Abi, as I say, shikena, Abi. It's sealed. God has given it to you. Finished. He can't take it from you. But for that power to flow in your life, you must be prayerful. The power cannot flow while you remain prayerless. So this why I said to you, is a great sickness in the Christian life of a person if he does not pray. When we say he does not pray, there is nobody who really doesn't pray at all. But we are saying he doesn't pray enough. Prayer must become your priority. It must become for you a task, a daily task that must be done. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on. Uh, Let me go. Back now to, or go forward now, to poor exercise in the word of God. I didn't know I would spend so long a time on that. Thank God, let's go on. So, lovelessness, signs of an unhealthy Christian life. Number one, lovelessness. Number two, poor prayer life. Number three, poor exercise in the word of God. When you want to make fire. How many things do you need to make fire? Alright. Electric fire. How many kinds of cable do you need? You need positive and what? And negative. If they touch each other, what will happen? It will produce uh, It will produce power. To make fire in the physical, what I'm talking about, it, it is not just one element. One kind of cable alone doesn't bring fire. Are you understand? In the physical, you want to make fire, you need more than one thing. We have spoken about prayer. Another thing is the word of God. There are various elements. Just like in the physical, to make fire, you need matches. Don't you need matches? Apart from matches, what do you need? Maybe you need, yes, you need kerosene. Or if you don't have kerosene, at least you need something that can burn, isn't it? You need firewood. But before that, it's not only matches you need. You need a matchstick and a matchbox, isn't it? A matchstick alone will not bring fire. Will it? No. You need a matchstick and a matchbox. When you strike them together, you strike the matchstick on the matchbox, what are you going to get? Fire. But the fire will not last if there is no firewood, isn't it? Are you getting it now? If there is no firewood, you get fire, but it will soon go out, isn't it? And if you have firewood, if the wood is not properly dried, the fire will not burn very well. If you have firewood, it will burn, but if you add kerosene to your firewood, what's going to happen? It will burn very well. It will facilitate the burning. It will act like a catalyst for the burning. I just use that in quote. Likewise, in the realm of the Spirit, to make fire in the Spirit, fire will drive Satan's power away from you. Amen? To make fire in the Spirit, you need Prayer, you need the word of God. You need faith. You need to live a holy life. So there are various elements. Are you understanding? That's what I'm bringing out. So the word of God is also very, very important. And when you do not exercise yourself in the word of God, you are going to be weak also. A believer must be hardworking. You want to be a Christian, you want the power of God in your life, you need to work hard. You work hard at your spiritual life. Hallelujah. You need to work hard in your life. I was told the Jebu people have a song. I sang it for you before. You remember it? you said no, you have forgotten. I had it from my wife's mouth. You know my wife is a Jebu? I said I said sing ki hallelujah Hallelujah If you are lazy you will not pray enough. Oh let me interpret that song for you. Good, 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 good. She didn't understand. The song says, a lazy person cannot be a true Christian. Cannot be a true Christian in the right way. He says, he will soon turn back. Why? To be a true Christian, it calls for hard work. I just spoke to you about rising up early. Can lazy people rise early? Lazy people are still rolling on the bed by 6 a.m. Huh? Eh? They will still roll to the left side. I change the gear. <sighs> it will roll again. He's still sleepy, Lazy man. Lazy man, lazy woman. So a lazy person cannot be a strong Christian. Talk of reading the Bible. It's also work. Doesn't enjoy it. So a lazy person cannot be a true Christian. And if you are a sinner you can't be a true christian i mean if you continue to sin without repentance a person who claims to be a believer and continues to commit sin against god commit adultery steal uh, be a false witness tell lies dishonest in business some people carry big bible but when you do business with them that's when you know what type of people they are they are going to try their Bible can be very big. Do business with them. Say, so, yeah, uh, these uh, uh, 500,000 or 1 million, let's go and buy something and tell him to be in charge. He will tell you stories. He has sold it, where is the money? Not because they have not repented from covetousness and they are unfaithful. As a child of God, In dealing with people in business, you must be faithful. Amen. Whether the person is there or not, you must not cheat him. His testimony about you should be that, I trust that lady. I trust that man. He won't take a cupboard that is not his own or her own. That's the way people should testify about you. And when a believer leaves the way of righteousness, begins to do ugly things, the power of God cannot walk in his life. Are you understanding? Sin is like leprosy in the life of a believer. I remember Ekiti people, they have a song too. Mama di ba je ba mio Jesu. I had that one from my mother. Mama di ba je ba mio Luwa. Long ago, when I was a, a small boy. Mama di ba je ba mio Jesu. Isho ba jelo koe maduje. Agba do ba koe Ma se. Mama di ba mio Jesu. He said, Christ, don't let me deteriorate. I is when something becomes gangrenous. Like it's corrupted. It's breeding worms. You understand? When you have yam tuber. You know, sometimes some part of it is eaten by some jams. What do you eat it? You cut it off. That's what the song says. Say, when yam is corrupted. And it has grown, it has been eaten by jams. He say it's useless. You can't eat it. Can you eat it? What of corn? Can you take the one corrupted with, uh, uh, with uh, all these uh, jams and uh, insects and go and cook it and eat it? No. That's what the song says. When yam is spoiled, you cannot eat it. When corn is spoiled, you cannot cook it to eat it. He a Christ... Jesus, don't let me be corrupted. A believer who is corrupted is useless for God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A believer who is corrupted is what? Useless for God. What is the corruption now? Sin. Just like a spoilt yam is useless, it won't go into your pot, isn't it? No matter how hungry a man is, give him spoil yam. Will he go and cook it? You give him yam to buy half of his spoil. He will cut away that spoiled part, isn't it? Spoiled yam, you can cook it, spoiled corn you can cook it. Now when a Christian's life is corrupted by sin, beloved, is as useless as the spoil yam that you cut away. It will be cut away from the power from the power of God. He will be cut away from the body of Christ. And the grace or graces, anyone you like, the blessings, the things that flow in the body will no longer get to that person. Are you understanding? The Lord will give us understanding. The Lord will give us understanding. The word, we are talking about the word of God. What has the word of God got to do with this? It is the word of God that prevents corruption. Amen. Said, "Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not do what? Sin against you. The psalmist said it. So that's why your exercise in the word of God must be strong. It must be strong. Your exercise in the word of God must be strong. You must be reading the word regularly. Praying regularly. We have said it. But they all work together. Psalm 119, verse 11, already last Sunday, let me read it again. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. It is your duty to exercise yourself in the Word of God, to put the Word in your heart. And then, if you put the Word in your heart, it will prevent you from sinning against God. For example, why did He say so? So that from the wall, from the lintel, as they look at it every day It will be written in their minds Are you understanding? That's where God wants to get us So when you write the word in your heart That's where you have hidden it in your heart The word you have hidden Or he Let's speak modern English Your word are by He That's KGB Modern English we say the, Your word have I hidden in my heart I hope, uh, Let me read Modern English so I don't confuse Those of you Who are students New <coughs> Excuse me New King James Version Psalm 119 verse 11 Your word I have hidden In my heart That I might not sin against you When do you hide the word in your heart? When it is written in your heart. Psalm 37 verse 31. Psalm 37 verse 31. The law of his God is in his heart. Psalm 37 verse 31 The law of his God is in his heart None of his steps shall slide You have to keep the word in your heart Keep it in your heart For example Thou shall not steal One of what we call the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. On and on. Take one example. Thou shall not steal. If it's written in your heart, no matter how poor you are, you will not be poor in Jesus' name. If you are poor, your poverty will end this year. In the name of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ. For this year, the Lord will open doors of blessings for you. In the name of Jesus Christ No matter how poor A man is If he has written it in his heart The word of God that says Thou shall not steal No matter how poor he is He won't take anyone's money Some people say they steal because they are poor No, you steal because you are a thief You steal because you are a thief. If you are not a thief, a man who is not a thief, if he doesn't have, he will not steal. He will ask for help. Are you understanding? He will prefer to beg than to steal. You will not beg in Jesus' name. You will not be a beggar in Jesus' name. You will not lack in Jesus' name. If you have been lacking this year Your lack will come to an end In the name of Jesus Christ The Lord will open doors Of blessings for you this year In the name of Jesus A man who has chosen To walk in righteousness Who has written it in his heart Thou shalt not steal And he said, you know, it is thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, thou shall not steal. He won't steal. No matter how poor he is, he will not steal anybody's money. Hallelujah. 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 Some people say people steal because they don't have money. It's not true. They steal because they are thieves. They steal because the word of God. The command of God not to steal is not in their hearts. It's not written in their hearts. Alright, if people steal because they don't have money. What of all the rich men that go going to politics? Eh? They don't steal. But they are rich. Why are they stealing? Because they are thieves. So when somebody steals... It's not a matter of whether it's poor or rich. Rich people steal. Is it a lie? They even steal more than poor people. (laughs) Because they steal, they have a million. You got it. Hallelujah. A man steals because the word of God that says... Thou shalt not steal is not in his heart. Not because he's poor. If he's poor and that command is written in his heart, he will not steal. He will look for alternatives. He will prefer to become a laborer than to steal. Hallelujah. Is it alive? Yes, now. Anybody uh-huh. Hallelujah. I will translate for you. Yoruba people, they have another. They say, Anyone who steals, he has messed up himself as a child. He has done a horrible thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, what will prevent you from committing sin, not only stealing? I just gave that as an example. What will stop you is to write the Word of God in your heart. How are you going to write it? By reading it, by meditating in it. By vocalizing it. By memorizing it. By writing it. Amen. Speak the word. The word is the sword of the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you don't read the word. The beginning is reading it. That's the first exercise of the word of God Reading it Hearing it As you are with me now We are together in the church But I can't be with you every time So you can not hear me every time Thank God for technology You can record a message Isn't it? And play it in your house Though you are at home You can continue to hear what I'm saying Amen? That's why we record our messages I hope you will be wise To take advantage of it Because it's an exercise You need to do in the word of God Hearing Reading it Hearing it Speaking it Meditating in it Using it as the sword Preaching it Hallelujah Hallelujah But when you don't even do the first exercise, the most fundamental is reading. When you don't do it then, how are you going to write the word in your heart? Then how are you going to be able to overcome temptations? Thou shalt not commit adultery. If it is written in your heart, If another man's wife strips herself naked, you will not touch her. If that law is written in your heart. A naughty woman who is another man's wife comes to you when her husband has gone somewhere and strips herself naked, you won't touch her. Not because you love her husband. But well, because you love God and you fear God, you don't want to sin against God. For it is written in your heart as a command of God, thou shalt not commit adultery. A sinner who says a chance, that's what they say in the world. I say, how can a woman walk to his house and be, and be showing her nakedness and he will not touch her? He said, he will not sleep with her. He said, it's a chance. How can he see a chance and not enjoy it or take advantage of it? But a child of God will not call it a chance, he will call it a snare. He will call it what? A snare. A snare. What? That's right. We we'll call it a snare. And when he walks out of the place and refuses to touch the woman, he will say, God gave me victory over the snare of the devil. For a foolish man, after sleeping with a woman, he will be laughing and say he got a free chance. Because is a foolish man. The Bible says a man who commits adultery is a fool. That's what the Bible says about it. Or when it's written in your heart, Thou shall not commit adultery. No matter how much a woman pressurizes. Remember Joseph. You remember him? No matter how a woman pressurizes you, you will not agree to commit adultery. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No matter how good looking a woman is You are not going to mess up yourself because of that Your self control will be there Because the law of God is written in your heart So this is a major thing Hallelujah This is a major thing What did I say? Read your Bible seriously. Don't read it like newspaper. In those days when you were at school when you were reading your textbook what would be with you? Your paper? Your notebook? Isn't it? What will you be doing as you were reading? You will be jotting. Isn't it? Even there were students that were reading dictionary. Isn't it? you read your textbook you jot is it is it not so that same seriousness is what you apply to the bible until you do so you are not a serious christian many of us read the bible like newspaper you just carry it and read no no not like that you must want to take note of certain things you must want to understand must want to connect various parts of the Bible together. Amen. Second Timothy, Chapter Two, Second Timothy, Chapter Two, Verse Fifteen. Second Timothy. Chapter 2 And the 15th verse I read first of all from the KJV Study To show thyself approved unto God A workman That needed not to be ashamed Study What does it say? Study To show thyself approved unto God A workman that needeth not to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth Rightly dividing what? The word of truth You must understand the word And be able to rightly divide the word rightly dividing the word of truth that means you are able to dissect it, you are able to interpret it properly, you are able to understand that this law is applicable to this, this is applicable to this you are not merely acquainted with the letter of the word but you are acquainted with the spirit you know, the bible says the letter killeth for the spirit giveth life Just reading the Bible and not understanding what the Spirit is saying will cause problems. It's the Spirit that gives life. The letter itself kills. It can mislead you. When your interpretation is wrong, it can mislead you from the right way, mess up your relationship with people. Hallelujah. I, I told you some, t- uh, some time ago, for example, Jesus says, uh, when you are going to preach, salute, when they were going to preach, salute no man by the way. He said to the disciples, when he sent them out, salute no man by the way. But does it mean they should close their eyes? And if anybody greeted them, they should not answer? No He was saying I am sending you to preach Don't branch to pay visits Well, we just take a salute No man by the way Eh, You are a Christian Once you carry your Bible Ah, Good good morning sir Good morning sir Eh, Because you don't understand You just look awkward uh, you create more problems because you won't be able to preach to that person. He will wonder what spirit is controlling you. He will wonder whether you get dumb sometimes. Huh? You say, What type of faith is this? Well, Jesus was saying they should not branch to pay visits. So study to show yourself approved. Work hard at it. A workman that can rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. You are not going to be able to rightly divide or explain the word of truth unless you study the word. Unless you do what? Study, study, study. Underline important things. Write them down. Make notes, ask questions. Let's stop here this morning. Let's say, Lord, we thank you for the word we have had today. Grace to walk in the light of the word. Lord, pour upon my heart in the name of Jesus. Grace to walk in the light of the word of God. Father, release upon my heart in Jesus name.